Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Hello there. On Saturday the 4th of June, Dumpty Dum's very own Derek Fletcher and his team are cycling from Wildcard Brewery in East London to the Dark Star Brewery in Partridge Green in West Sussex. It's about 75 miles. They'll be hot and sweaty. And six of them have never cycled further than the shops before, so there'll be significant chafing. They're raising money for Haven and Macmillan. Now, we know everyone's given very generously to Paul Truman, but if you have any loose change down the back of your sofa, he would be very welcome. Also, if you've got any spare Vaseline, that might be handy too. You can follow them on the Twitters at at PointToPoint, and there's details there on how to sponsor them. Go on, think of the chafing. Over the past five years, Slibbing World and Sudbury have taken part in Race for Life in memory of a much-loved member sadly lost to cancer far too young and have raised many thousands of pounds for this cause close to our hearts. Our team, Angel Delights, will be taking part again this year and would welcome your support. Our Just Giving page is justgiving.com slash angel d hyphen l-i-t-e-s or contact at Dusty Substances on Twitter. Thank you. This is Dum De Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the head carved fairy house that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the mildewed set of comedy elf ears that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Ambridge Meets Lords of the Rings is you. Now, folks, I apologise about the rubbish sound of my um, audio uh, because I've forgotten my podcasting lead. Where is it, Lucy? Uh, Canada. That's what we suspect, folks. So I think we're going to have to order a new one from the interwebs in time for next week's show. 
But if you can put up with this, well, we uh, you put up with the, the, this rubbish that comes out of my mouth the last two years. I was going to say, let's face it, they put up with far worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Hopefully. If you can put up with my curly hair and me not having any bra on, then I'm sure they can put up with your voice <laughs> sounding all funny because you've left to eat in Canada. <laughs> this week's Dumdy Dum is from Martin from Leeds. But Lucy, yes, can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumdy Dum of the week if they can be so fussed? Uh, yes, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or suddenly remember something that could get someone off an attempted murder charge, then ring us on 0203 <laughs> or leave us a message on SpeakPipe on the site. Uh, thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Uh, thanks also to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek is firmly in the leave campaign um, about sort of Brexit and all that, but he is a bit scared of Penny Mordant, as he has horrible memories of a woman shouting at him to pull out quickly. <laughs> Well done. Well done, Lucy. Thank you. <laughs> On this week's Blockbuster Dumpy Dum, we have calls from Blythe Spirit, who's looking forward to the Archer's X-Files, Miss Alliance, who's rustling up a salad, Glyn, Glyn, who foresees a burning, Andrew Horn, who's upstanding for Pip, Witherspoon, who thinks we need a private investigator, and New York Nigel, who says, hurrah for Peggy. But first... Before all the calls, before some archers blather, it's Lucy V. Freeman and a week in Ambridge. Anna Toboggan, never mind fees, should be earning the George Cross at the very least for patience in trying to draw out the recalcitrant Helen, who is still doing her Trappist monk impression. And Anna sat for hours while Helen wondered whether she would be able to have a wee, because that's the important thing, <laughs> not that she was raped. Henry drew a picture for school of a trailer and some irrigation pipes. Well, that'll be good for his news book, said Tony, and it makes a change from all those pictures of mummy stabbing daddy with a knife covered in custard. If that school has not got 27 psychoanalysts lined up to do 24-hour monitoring of that child, I should be very surprised. Pat is managing to relate everything back to uh, Helen's imprisonment. Do you want a cheese sandwich tomorrow, Tony? Cheese trapped between two slices of bread. You see, like my daughter, Tony. Oh, never mind. Pass me the prison. The mayonnaise, I meant. Uh, Tom's waving goodbye to the pigs because he won't speak to Jazza and he has to eat lunch in the garden. Johnny is giving them all advice about how to keep Bridge Farm with all his half an hour of farming experience. In response, Tom told Johnny about the pig cycle, as if you can get pigs to cycle. Anyway, Johnny loved it. Pigs on bikes! Brilliant! Then Tom told Johnny off for entering his scotch eggs. I should think so. I mean, I know he's a single man, but there are limits. And anyway, there's already black pudding in that. You don't really need anything else. Let us move on to dry matter yield. Is that so much more exciting? Or maybe dry yield matter, yield dry matter, whatever. Pip and Josh talked about it and Josh poo-pooed it as he is becoming a right snotty little git and only opens his gob to be snarky. Pip, as we suspected, has been unceremoniously dumped from a great height by Matthew. She is now understandably bitter, which means Rex Fairbuttock will get a vigorous shooing over the next few weeks as she rebounds onto Rex faster than an obese trampoline and support group. 
Toby Fairbrother is working with a drone. No, not Pat. Oh, Tony. He persuaded (laughs) Pip to wash her hands and scrape the surface layer of compost off her face to appear in his drone video of the mobile hen house. But then Toby annoyed Bert by unexpectedly focusing in on his euphorbia and the chickens wouldn't play ball because no one had told them what their motivation was. Alistair came out of early retirement to bully everyone into doing the wingle sicket. People were diving into hedgerows left, right and centre trying to avoid it. But really, you can't bully someone when you've lost the power of speech. Um, Piggy says the doctor doesn't want to see her for another three months. Neither does anyone else. But there we are. Actually, I should take that back. Piggy is at least being bracing and not indulging in the cold comfort farm gloom of the others. She loves nothing better than a bit of a crisis when she can march about and be like human carbolic, scraping everyone down and being brisk. She's the only one talking to any sense to Helen and she's on the verge of prison reform by the sound of it. (laughs) The other saving grace this week was Krusty, who remembered that she'd given Helen a phone, that Helen might have used it to ring a woman's helpline and that maybe somebody should tell somebody about it. Maybe. When that happened, the nation rose up as one and shouted, yes, for the love of God, tell her. (laughs) Tom's only response was to say slowly and very clearly, I did not know that. To make it clear to us, the listening, infuriated public, that that was why he hadn't told Anna beforehand. Brian wants to take Jennifer somewhere restful, exotic and extremely expensive for a second honeymoon. That's the Delhi counter at Underwoods then. They're having a party, Mm -hmm. obviously, and Jennifer cannot decide whether to have bowl food or offer her guests a stand up finger. (laughs) Bowl food at a... Bowl food at a party is ridiculous. It is bad enough trying to balance a canapé and a glass of wine without flicking pad tie up your nose. The Grundies, as part of the scriptwriter's efforts to take our minds off the hardy novel that is going on at Bridge Farm, dressed up as elves to capitalise on the furore of elf houses in the wood. This was also, as keen listeners will know, part of a long-running Archer subplot line called Aren't Poor Desperate People Funny? The end. Uh, Disagree with you. Uh, one of the key things you said in your monologue there, Freeman. What? Oh, by the way, it was, it was quite good this week. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind that bit. What, what, what? What was um, wrong? You said you can't bully people if you've lost the power of speech. Do you not have a teenage child at, and <laughs> you've not had messages from school about online bullying and social media? What? So you think Alistair is trying to persuade people to do the single wicket by using Facebook? And Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> Snapchat bullying them into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not working, is it? Because David's not going to be doing it. Rob clearly isn't with his his colostomy bag flapping along beside him. Mm. Um, Maybe Arcelo could do it. Well, mm, I don't know about that. But I reckon Pip is lined up, isn't she? And then, if it, not this year, next year, Pip is going to be uh, the first woman to ever play for the Ambridge cricket team. Mark my words, you heard it here first. the good old days when, when Clary won the single wicket, do you remember? Yeah, but that's not. Doesn't that seemed like a long time ago and a, and, a, and a nicer, better Ambridge where we weren't all stressed to ribbons? Hmm. When Tom was worrying about his pigs as opposed to selling them. Yeah. Yeah. And, all he, and we moaned because all he talked about was sausages. And, and, Ka- now he, and Kathy he was getting raped. Is that, is that the type of nice Ambridge you're referring to? No, obviously we can do without the rapes and the armed robbery. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I think there's, there's, always been, there's always been the odd bit of stress and strife. Now and again. And the good old days were never that good, really. No, good old days never were, were they? No. 
No. Mm. <sighs> so we were saying before we started properly mm. that you were a bit disengaged. Yeah, because you and you put your finger on it. So I said I was disengaged somewhat or struggling to be engaged. I don't know if that's exactly the same thing. But um, because it all seems a bit floaty floaty. And mm. and then and as you kind of rightly pointed out, well there's no other meaty storyline actually to engage us because we don't care enough, let's say, about Pip and Matthew. We just don't as the listeners. That relationship is was too new and too fleeting for us to yeah. be invested in it. We don't like Toby Fairbrother, so him being an arse and not having any scruples about flying his drone over people's uh, farms. We don't, you know, we're just like, well, you are an arse. Yeah. Uh, Bert is providing a certain amount of comic value with his kind of bafflement and, you know, with, with drones and, and, and things yeah. like that and whatever. But that's just, just Bert. And it's nice that... I old... thought, you know, if Toby had the slightest bit of nouse about him, mm. the first thing he'd have done is flown that drone over. And rather than pretending to be that, he should have pretended to be Frida. <laughs> what? So, rather than just... You know when he was going, Bert Fry. <laughs> He was doing that funny voice. <laughs> he should have. He should have pretended to be Frida. Mm. That would have. Can you imagine? No. That would have Bert been have, mean. It would have been belief. mean, and Bert would have died of shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had a tiny bit. We seem to be queuing up a whole thing between Brian and Adam, and there is some some chatter about the fact that the next big storyline is going to revolve yeah. around uh, Brian and, and Adam and Brian's inheritance. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we seem to have had some kind of a cooling of relations, no, not a cooling of relations, we seem to have somewhat of a, a rapprochement between the pair of them, where Brian, where Adam has been tactful, hasn't he, in ter- when, when Latif came round and... Um, yeah. And what's his face? Oh, I don't know, Luce. It's just all just kind of flo- floating along. It's a bit blah, blah, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, ugh, you know, we need some proper Kenton in the bull action, Jolene. Let's have, yeah. you know, let's have my Fallon back. Um, the, only, the, the one thing I am slightly interested in, though for me it feels like deja vu all over again, is uh, Josh. There is something going on there with Josh, Pip, uh, and his position in the farm. Um, mm. That the and I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes. I thought it was deja vu all over again, vis-a-vis Tom, with him being this, you know, too young, pre- mm. precocious capitalist, you know, twonk. But maybe it's going to spin off in a slightly different direction. That maybe they're setting up some kind of Cain uh, and Mabel thing with him and Pip. Um, Cain and Mabel <laughs> ending up hating each other or something. I I don't know. I like but, that Cain and Mabel. I'm nicking that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like that. I, I I like the fact that I don't quite know what's going on because Bridge Farm has always been harmonious, even when Pip was, you know, I'm the queen of social media, and she was a pain in the ass. Brookfield but, has always been harmonious. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Okay. It's not what I said, but it's what I meant. Thank you. I was going to say, Bridge Farm, you could, no one could no, describe no, that's, that that's harmonious. Never harmonious. It's been a <laughs> raging civil war for about a year now, isn't yeah. it? No, Brookers. Yeah, well done. Um, and so to inject a little bit of um, 
friction into that uh, scion of the Archer's family. It's probably quite wise for dramatic purposes. Other than that, I've got nothing to say about the last two weeks. <laughs> Not a sausage. Nope. Oh, oh. What about you? They've got to do something soon because they can't. We can't limp on like this in in limbo, limpo for um, until September. Mm. We can't carry on in this sort of stasis, waiting for the 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 axe to fall wherever it's going to fall. Something big has got to happen. So either, sorry to say this, it sounds horrible, but either Peggy's got to die. And then we have the inheritance thing. We've got to, there's got to be an acceleration with the Brian Adam storyline. Um, someone else has, there's, there's got to be another big shake Ambridge to the core thing. Uh, I don't mean a ridiculous one, but just, uh, you know, a natural, a natural causes one sort of thing. What, like, uh, like an uh, earthquake? Yeah. A natural cause like that. that would shake Ambridge to its core. Well, an no, just to, just to, just to shake it up so that everybody has something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. We need a little tremor. Mm. We all need a little tremor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Because uh, we can't ca- carry on like this, just ticking time away until until September. Mm. It's it's just too much. I think. It's, it's both too much and not enough at the same time. Mm. We either need. Docky Locky to step it up with Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. See, I um, care about that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Pip and Matthew, it, it, there just wasn't enough of it for us to care. But Docky Locky, there's yeah. form, him and Shula. Yeah. We know yeah. that Elizabeth is kind of slightly sniffing around. Let's get that going. Whatever yeah. happened to his, to his daughter that turned up? I know, yeah. Vanished. Mm. She entered the, the Borsetshire Triangle, didn't she? As some um, Yoko Bear was saying. What, the Dairy Lee? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like the Bermuda Triangle, but the Borsetshire Triangle, where people, cast members, sort of uh... leave the village and then just disappear into this triangle and we never see them again. Uh... <sighs> Where's that? Felpisham. Just outside yeah. Felpisham, is it? Yeah. They get they they get to the platform of Penny Hassett Station. It's like Harry Potter, where they go through the wall <laughs> and that's it. Boom! Disappeared. Never see him again. Yeah. Like that. <sighs> right then, um, well, enough wittering. Uh, let's uh, go over to the phone lines and let's see what the great listening public all throughout planet Earth have reckoned about the last week in Ambridge. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first, Juicy Loose? Blythe Spirit. Ooh. Hello, Dumpty Dump, Blight Spirit calling. Well, I haven't actually listened to The Archers this week, but quite frankly, after hearing Dumpty Dump podcast yesterday, I really don't need to. I have all the entertainment I need. Thank you, Yokel Bear and Lucy, for a fantastic programme. After all the wailing and gnashing of teeth that's been going on in Ambridge recently, we needed a lighthearted take and you both certainly provided it. So thank you for that. I'm also officially loving the idea of an Archer's X-Files mashup. Although I'm not too sure about the Felpisham Triangle, I actually think alien abduction is involved because not only are aliens taking people, but they're taking people's jobs. I have a theory about this and it goes back to Alice. Previously, Alice was a high-flying engineer who suddenly became a wedding planner. That high-flying career just went straight out the window into the ether somewhere. Who knows where it went? 
And now we have Lillian flouncing about having lunches, buying clothes for her job as a quote unquote social secretary with acres of time to play with. Whereas previously, when Matt was in Russia being abducted by dodgy gangsters, she couldn't find enough space to manage Amside. She was uber pressured. Where has Amside gone? Now, if aliens are abducting not only people, but jobs, I think we need to be worried about that, don't you? If only for the state of the British economy. Hmm. Anyway, whilst we're playing with the notion of pitches, I would love to pitch you a couple of ideas. You can throw them around if you like. Number one, Archer's John Wyndham mashup, where Kira, Henry, Rory and Helen's unborn child are revealed to be alien invaders a la Midwich Cuckoos. And Rob Titchener is finished off by a triffid up Lakey Hill. I think that would be quite good, don't you? Anyway, number two, and we have to bring out the big guns for this one, the omen. Helen's unborn child is revealed to be the new Damien Thorne, with Arsula as his protector on Earth. Now, that leaves us with a problem because Rob Titchener is still the number one Dark Lord and he needs to be finished off in some way. So what I would suggest is that a stake falls from a ruddy great height and impales him at Blossom Hill Cottage. I don't think you'd go anywhere near a church because crucifixes would start to burst into flames. Do you know what I mean? Now, Patrick Troughton, poor man, didn't deserve it in the movie, but I think we're all agreed that the Dark Lord does, don't you? Anyway, that's it from me. Have a fantastic week, everyone, and cheers now. Bye. Job stealers. There are job-stealing aliens who are taking away people's jobs. Are we talking we have... about Brexit here or what? No, we have... No, we have... Job-stealing aliens... That's the type of thing that UKIP would say. I was going to say, you should know, because you're an alien with extraordinary abilities, aren't you? <laughs> I'm an X-Man, yeah. Um, so, Grey Gables is being run by mm. a receptionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody goes there. No other staff work there. And there is a manager there who is mute and invisible mm. and has been for 18 months. Alice... Was sounds an a bit like, that sounds a bit like Black Bolt. He's a superhero with the Inhumans and he can't speak because if he does, he has the power to move mountains. Right. Silent and strong. Huh? You said not... she's silent, but she's like all powerful. No, it's not very useful it's for him. If every time he speaks, he moves mountains. Well, because the thing is, it's his presence. People just go, oh, bloody uh... hell. Mm. <laughs> the, sca- the scariest the scariest people aren't the ones that basically say i'm scary they just project mm. strength and scariness kathy yes. kathy mm. just walks into a room she doesn't have to talk people just cower no. and do their they jobs just, yep yeah there you go which is a boon <laughs> for the bean counters <laughs> and the archers because i have to pay the actress <laughs> Kathy's just walked in. Oh bloody hell, Stu! This is our job. Do our jobs. <laughs> if you looked at all of those gangster movies, you know those mafia like, movies. Like, yeah, no, she's like a Clint Eastwood figure, so she just comes swaggering in through yeah, the double doors. It's, it's all just the look. Just it gives you a look, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no idea. I'm looking at her in an entirely new light now. There you go. Do you think she works out? Do you think she's really buff? (laughs) (laughs) Does she carry a sawn-off shotgun or something? (laughs) Well, no. I have need your your clothes, your gun. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to need your health club pass. 
ankle. <laughs> I need flops. <laughs> oh, yes, and Alice. Yes. Alice Carter, mm-hmm. former astrophysicist and engineer, currently wedding planning mm. for no one because she is also mute and mm. visible. Mm. You're not telling me that Alice can quell a room by her presence. <laughs> No, 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 no. Alice is not a Kathy. No, she no. doesn't know Kathy's gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian has gravitas. Oh, she does. Ooh. And a packet of fags. And <laughs> she, where, where is, what is happening with Amside? Lillian never seems to be there. Mm. No, she don't seem to have... Wasn't it on the floor after Matt went? It was, and I would imagine it's, it's it, on the fora now because right. she's now messing around buying clothes with another man's money, isn't she? Rather mm. than actually doing any proper work. So who's running that? Because hasn't Dubri gone? Yeah. That, that um, sec- the secretary, she's yeah, gone. With the brogues. Yeah. With the brogues. Uh-huh. So she, has she gone? I, I think she has. I'm not 100% sure. Cos- Cosmo. <laughs> it's like a euphemism for death. Maybe she was standing on the platform at Penny Hassett. Maybe we should use that as a euphemism for death. Uh, I tell you who projected Penny strength. Beloved, it was her, wasn't it? Hey? She projected strength. She did. You didn't mess around with her. She wasn't silent, though. Mm. She was quite uh, quite assertive. Yeah, well, Anthea. She, Anthea. Anthea. Yeah, but she didn't use that many words, though, did she? No. She was economical with her verbiage. She just spent the whole time trying to explain to people where Matt and Lillian were because they were never, ever in the office with her doing any work. <laughs> uh, yes, so d- job-stealing aliens. Everybody's jobs is being done by somebody else. Uh, just the economics of Ambridge just beg a belief. They really do, especially mm. at the moment. Absolutely insane. Well, didn't, didn't, <sighs> didn't Yokel Bear say that? that the economics of a, of a rural village are um, kind of skew-if anyway. But not, that you don't have lots of, you know, the very least, the people, well, for a start, the thing that is supposed to be making the money has to be open, i.e. the shop, which isn't at the minute. Mm. Uh, there's just, that's the, that's the bare minimum. Uh, and the person running the shop has to be able to have the power of speech. <laughs> That's and be visible to the human eye. That's when you say matters. the shop, do you mean? I mean any of them. I mean, I mean, if you're the running a wedding club. business, it helps if you're visible, oh, okay. and if you're if you're behind the if, if the you know it would help if the bridge farm shop was actually open, so customers could go in and buy things, and also if um, you know, I know the village shop mm. is running, but I don't know what's happening about all the volunteers and everything there because we never hear anything about that now either. Do we? I used to quite like that. I used to I used to get quite concerned about the rotors at the village shop. It was of huge interest who was going to take over from Jim and who was late. Nathan Booth. Yeah, Sabrina mm. Fate. She yes. was always uh, late and always had an excuse, didn't she? Do you reckon? What do you reckon those tabards smell like after a hot sunny day? <sighs> well, probably smoke because. Nylon in a confined space at a high temperature. Mm. It's not good, really, is it? So what? People High... combust, do they? Yes. 
Mm. It's like Dickens. Whenever he ran out of a plot thing, if he didn't know how to get rid of a character, he just made them spontaneously combust. <laughs> he did. <laughs> In Bleak House, someone combusts. Hmm. Just, just their shoes left. Hmm. Anyway, next call. So have we actually dealt with that call? Yes, we have. Job stealing aliens. Okay, great. Still yeah. think it sounds like a recruiting line for UKIP. <laughs> And, Bre- and the Leave campaign, I really do. But anyway, go on. Uh, next call. Good evening. It's Miss Alliance here from her kitchen in Beckenham, deepest suburbia. This evening, there is nothing to eat as we debate whether we're going to have fish and chips or Chinese, or maybe I should just rustle up a salad out of nothing. Anyway, I've just listened to the archers. I've remained faithfully with it, as I understand from the Telegraph, not that I read that, that it is our solemn duty and we'd be letting Helen down not to listen to it. And you know what? I think possibly my patience is finally at an end. Now, I'm as sympathetic with Helen as the next person, and I understand that she's blocked out all her memories because it's causing such distress, but I don't understand... Is she not aware that not only is Anna Tregoran supposed to be piecing together defence for her, for her attempted murder charge, no less, from these crumbs of information that she is just dripping on the floor in front of her? And is she not aware that her parents are paying huge amounts of money towards her legal fees? And I'm sure they don't get legal aid. So what on earth is going on? I don't think that I can bear it much longer. We've had now nearly two months of this. When will it ever end? When, oh, when, oh, when? That's me done. Bye. Ms. Alliance. Oh. She's in her Albion again. Um, she says her patience has run out. <sighs> yeah, I know. <sighs> Sean O'Connor says he's coming back in September to direct the... the, the, the um, Christmas show. <laughs> he's taken over from Lillian as he's taken over from Linda to add, direct the Christmas show. No, he is he's coming back to direct the the court scene. Um but it still seems to be there because it's still saying edited by Sean O'Connor but anyway. Um yes, Anna Tregoran, God love the woman, patience of a saint, trying desperately to make a case for Helen and get it into her head that unless she actually gives us something to work with, she is going to prison. Uh, I'm really hoping Helen gets that very soon because I am starting to get extremely irritated, which doesn't make me feel great about myself that I am, you know. Well, that's part part of the genius of this whole thing in that the Mm. protagonist is somebody who we don't actually uh, like, you know, we have historically, pre- previous to this story. If this story was Kirsty, I would, I would be, I would no, be. You'd have, you'd have much more, you no, know, you'd have much more sympathy. You'd have much more sympathy. You would have much more sympathy. Also, um, I'm not sure, because there has been uh, some chatter on the, on the Twitters about this, and I don't know, and I'm not going to go off and do any research about this because I can't be fussed. But um, some people have said, well, wait on a minute. This woman is a big ass uh, barrister. She's not yeah. going to be fanning around, uh, holding Helen's hand. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, uh, now that to me makes a certain amount of sense. However, with Anna Tregoran's fanfare into the whole show, it was that she specialises in this. So you'd think she'd have a certain sensitivity. Yeah. That's a, so but that she's shown. I mean, but she's showing the sensitivity of a therapist, not of a solicitor. But surely she understands the psychology of abused women. And so, and, yeah, and surely you know, patients... Well, Surely why, she's why, would, why would she care about that? If, you know, time, you yeah. know, she's just more more longer for her. But yeah. you know, I'm I'm stuck between the, the two points here. Is that you know, I presume if you're a big big barrister from Birmingham, uh, you know, okay, time's money. Come on, Helen, blah blah blah, t- spill the beans. Uh, however, she was billed as being this fantastic domestic abuse lawyer. So this, she's got to have somewhat of a depth hand a deft touch she must she must do but for the first time right and I feel really bad about saying what I'm about to say and I'm going to say this is more direction as opposed to the acting there was too much lip quivering for me last week from Helen so it wasn't just that she was reticent in terms of um, spilling the beans I just thought you know what I just I didn't believe the delivery or it was just too much but the actress has played Helen masterfully for the last couple of years so I'm gonna say it's less the uh, the the actor and more the direction so she's told to you know quiver your lip and be all you know um just kind of broken and, and kind of snivelling. yeah and these digressive storylines about when I was seven there was a suite in class yeah oh come on now please I would rather she just kind of was a bit mute, really, and were just, you know, still traumatised, um, as opposed to then, you know, wistfully looking looking through a window and, and talking about yeah, some child Yeah, that was a bit play for today, that bit, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it's yeah. just, mm, you know, I'm finding those scenes incredibly hard because I don't believe the delivery of the lines. No, exactly. Uh, yes, I agree with that. That is absolutely try, true, right, I would say. Yes. Who is next? Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Well done to Yokel Bear. Uh, fantastic um, performance in last week's uh, podcast. Uh, really enjoyed it. Now, on to some random points about this week's Archers. First, uh, Matthew has dumped Pip. This can only mean one thing. David has to start preparing a father of the bride's speech in which he avoids uh, referring to the fact that the last time a fair brother married an archer, the fair brother was burnt to a crisp. Um, Second, a couple of weeks ago, the Grundys were getting really worried about what they were going to do when uh, Oliver and Caroline came back. And this week, all they seemed to be worried about was what was in the kids' packed lunches. Has their housing um, problem been sorted you know, in a few minutes while I wasn't listening. If any Dumpty Dumber could enlighten me, I'd be very, very grateful. And thirdly, um, I wasn't overjoyed. Uh, well, I had mixed feelings, I have to say, when I saw the um, BBC publicity machine going into overdrive about the fact that apparently some government ministers had picked up on the uh, plight of women in prisons following the Helen and Rob story. So what next for what ne- what is the next issue that's going to be 
put on the Helen and Rob story? Is it going to be ooh, the Arab-Israeli conflict, climate change, or perhaps um, the plight of the rural press in the internet age? Although the last, I think, is the most unlikely, given that the Borchester Echo seems remarkably unaffected by this. Well, there's my random thoughts. Um, hope all Dumpty Dummers have had a really good week, um, despite listening to the Archers, which will, I'm, I'm sure at some points have depressed them. And a thank you to um, all connected with Dumpty Dum for continuing with this wonderful podcast. Glenn Fullerlove, mm-hmm. who suggests that... Um... Uh, th- that now the archers have solved domestic violence, they might like to move on to the Arab-Israeli conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could have a go at Northern Ireland. That all seems to be kicking off again, doesn't it? Mm. Um, yes. Yes, you see, this is... the. Oh, I'm getting so cheesed off. The Grundies, are they homeless or not? When, when are Caroline and Oliver's... Colliver. When are Colliver supposed to be coming back? <laughs> Well, we, we've had rumblings that they are coming, don't we? That their return is imminent. Um, no, have the Grundies made any sort of plan for what they're going to, where they're going to live, where what they're going to do with the seven hundred and fifty well, cows and pigs and everything else that they've bought? The dog. Where is is? I mean, there was vague stuff about oh, we can always go back to Ambridge View, hmm. but that so that takes care of four of them. What about the other three? There's no, it seems to be no, no proper kind of um, plan has been made. And they don't sound, they're more worried about pissing around with elf ears than actually, you know, thinking about where are we going to sleep for the next rest of our lives sort of Mm. thing. Absolutely extraordinary. Mm. Well, And and we're supposed to take that seriously. Well, as we know, and as we've said uh, for months now it's part of the general lopsidedness of everything that yeah. we've so concentrated on the minutiae of one storyline and we've yeah. forgotten about the basics of just about every, everybody else's lives so yeah. um, hmm. um, um so but but there, there is a there is a deeper point in, in all of this and, and and it's the whether or how you shoehorn in issues into uh, into uh, this docudrama. And as I said a few weeks ago, that there is absolutely no two ways about it. There will be massive pressure on the next editor coming in to have their Rob and Helen mm. storyline, yeah. you know, to have their defining <gasps> thing, as so opposed to... from cause to cause, aren't we? Well... It needn't actually be a cause, but to have some big storyline which generates uh, press and publicity, you know, social media clicks, um, so they can have their tenure as being defined by it, you know, as opposed to just keeping the whole ship just, you know, sailing on nicely in in, in the correct uh, direction. Yeah, those days have gone. Those days have gone. And it will lurch from one big thing to another. Yeah. Which will somewhat alienate us older listeners because we like the smaller storyline storylines, the human storylines. Yeah, that, that's actually what we like. And yes, every now and then, um, you need to um, have your your sausage order cancelled by Underwoods, and and you become and you go bankrupt, and and that for us is a big storyline. <laughs> that's another euphemism for death. He had his sausage order cancelled by Underwoods. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Glenn goes on to talk about um, Matthew dumping Pip, and mm. we're going to play Andrew Horn as well because he also has something to say about that. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. I'm calling about Pip. I was a bit disappointed to see a lot of schadenfreude um, being taken at the fact that she was dumped by Matthew. Um, I think, yes, she had an annoying voice when she came back as new Pip, but I've got over that now. And I think she's a, a young woman trying to make her way um, from a, quite a sheltered background. I think there's nothing wrong with her with her behaviour at the moment. And um, I do think it was a shame that uh, that Matthew uh, chose to end it with her. But it does leave the way open for uh, Rex to um, to get a fair brother back at Brookfield, which must be the long-term story arc. And we'll have uh, Hootie Jill uh, in a right flap when that uh, starts moving along. So, yes, lay off Pip, please. Thank you. Bye. Andrew, yes, you, I know you are a bit of a, a championer of a champion, champion, that's the word, mm. of, 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 of Pip. And you get very cheesed off with everyone having a go at her. Um, I think the thing is, we, could, we never invested you in don't Matthew, get did we? Che- you should get cheesed off with Helen, not with yeah. Pip. I know, but, but we never invest, we never took Matthew seriously mm. as a potential. No, 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 no. Uh, what I'm saying, Lucy is you get cheesed off with Helen because Helen makes borsets in blue. Oh, I see. Come on, keep up, woman. Sorry. I don't do dairy puns, clearly. <laughs> um, but we did, I mean, we, none of it, nobody gave a toss about Matthew coming, staying, going, whatever, did they? Really? No. Because we're all just waiting for us to get together with them, with with the, the fair buttock. Yes. One of them. Rex. I'm hoping only one. And I'm hoping, Rex... What I think is going to happen mm. is that this is going to make her very bitter and anti, anti-male temporarily because she feels betrayed by Matthew and let down and blah, 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 blah. And so she will decide that she is going to go out with Toby and she is going to treat him like he treats other women. But Toby treats other women really well. No, he doesn't. Rex does. Toby doesn't. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, sorry, I got mixed up. I meant Rex. Oh, well, yes, you're she's not gonna, Yeah, she's not going to go with that jackass is she please but she won't go out i mean she might just sort of use him as she feels that she's been used by matthew mm. i don't know i don't, don't really know. care yeah we don't care but, do we? Um, i just wanted to end up with rex because i like rex i like the fact that he's nice to bert yeah well listen he, he is but to be fair even toby's all right with bert you know he treats as a bit of a bro doesn't he you know yeah. bert bro Brobert. He's like he's a <laughs> Brobert. It sounds like some like yoga frogert. Um, he sounds like, he's like the worst bits of Nigel Pargeter, Toby. He's like Nigel without, without the ethics genuine... and the scruples. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's had a scrupulectomy. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 Who is next? Julie from Pickering. Hmm. Uh, just before we move on to Judy from Pickering, I'm just yeah. wondering what intractable world problems actually could we throw into the arches, though, for the next next editor to sort out? I think probably agricultural poverty and homelessness. It's not 
it's not an intractable problem. Basically, you stop people buying second homes and start building uh, affordable housing. It's just there isn't the political will to do it. It's not an intractable problem at all. What, are you saying domestic violence is intractable? It's a bit depressing. Well... I was really riffing off of what Glyn said, and he was on about the Arab-Israeli conflict, etc., yeah. as opposed to, um, you know, domestic abuse. Yes. Mm. Right. Well, uh, hunting. No, that's not intractable. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just fed up with big things. I just want some small things. <laughs> Is that what you say to Simon? <laughs> <laughs> it's too big <laughs> oh dear <laughs> oh. <laughs> I put a warning on this one yes oh. hello Lucy and Royfield Julie from Pickering here Julie from Pickering is at the end of her tether right now stuck with this storyline that shall not be named hard as it was at times to listen I did listen and thought, this is going to come good. This is going to help. This is going to highlight, highlight these issues. And this is really going to, to, to give strength to women in Helen's situation to do something, to get away from it. The way it's playing out is, you know, I think it's going to have the opposite effect. Anybody in Helen's position listening to this is going to say, hey, if that's what you have to do to get out of this relationship, it ain't worth it. I'll stick with what I've got and I'll try and make the most of it and I'll be strong for my kids because I can't go through all of that. And it's undoing all of the good work that was starting to be done by using this storyline, I think. And if, at the end of it all, Rob does come out squeaky clean then I'm switching off. I will absolutely switch off because I couldn't stand that. And he is going to come out squeaky clean unless somebody tells Helen to start talking. For goodness sake, give the girl a slap. And Anna, Anna, barrister, she wouldn't be there spending all this time just being some kind of nice-sounding board for Helen or not. For goodness sake, scriptwriters, get it right. Julie from Pickering. Yes. Mm. I don't think that I, I agree in that they have made this so real that it's horrible to listen to and that anybody else would would think, blimey, if this is what happens when you leave your your uh, your 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 abusive partner, I'm not going to do that. But Helen did leave him by stabbing him in the stomach. So ideally, the archers was not being is not going to be encouraging anybody to stab people in the stomach, and therefore they can avoid all the rest of the storyline. Um, but you know, as the statistics keep saying, it takes people five goes to leave and all that. But you know, she did intend when she rang um, Kirsty. She did say, "Look, I've packed my bag and I'm just going to to go." But for some, well, because she's Helen, she decided to have a uh, you know try and explain to him and try and be you know sort of put her side of the story and and do it properly as helen would see it um and that's where it went wrong uh but yes i do know what you mean if if p- people are thinking bloody hell if that's what you've got to do then i'm not going to do it um i'd rather just suffer on but you know what's happened to her is because is because she stabbed him not because um she's 
done the right thing by leaving him sort of thing mm. well this, this was what i said many moons ago when i had my uh 30, 30 second comment no it's a 30 second well considered brief uh point that i made uh in regards to that that stabbing episode is that the the moral of the story is somebody can treat you abominably uh, for approximately 18 months your only recourse is just to stab them and, and uh, they they've served the cause of domestic of coercive control very badly by the by yeah. the, by their outcome they yeah. sh- they should have trotted through this in the way that it plays out for the vast majority of cases which is you leave you get dragged back you leave you get dragged back and that i actually think would have created a much better su- and subtle drama throughout the village when people realize um that rob isn't this uh perfect husband yeah. why is helen leaving yeah. why is helen why you know you can imagine susan saying why is helen back at uh, bridge farm you know what's going on you know what's going on with henry gaily skipping down the village lane and then seeing rob and saying daddy and running into his mm-hmm. arms and, and being yanked back that would have been much better yeah much yeah much better but anyway yep. let's not fight that battle because um, yeah. you know, we you know anyway she stabbed him in the guts we are where we are but do you remember <laughs> Do you remember when you were off from school as a little kid and there'd be crown court in the middle of the day? Yes. That, I do. you just knew that you were, you know, you were kind of like bunking off school or, you know, yeah. you were sick and mum and dad were, were looking after you. I remember you that programme where all those women in flowery dresses used to sit around drinking coffee as well. What? What programme was that? I think it was before crown court. I, I thought there that was, was Pip, of... Pipkins before Crown Court. I don't... That was Hartley Hair was Pipkins. No, it was it was ladies. Mm-hmm. Ladies. It was ladies in no, but they were like ladies <laughs> in. I think it was um, that woman that's on Bake Off. God, I'm starting to sound like my grandma. That woman that's on Bake Off, Mary Mary Berry. She was in it. Really? They were all these very smart middle class ladies who would sit around. Drinking tea, drinking coffee, and talking Surely about. Surely it was tea and if it was back in the seventies or the eighties. It was like it was like loose women, but without the sex and the reality television. It was, but they just used to talk about issues and then talk about fruitcake and things. Aren't you talking about Wish... Pebble Mill at one? No, uh, I don't know what you're know. talking about. I know, but someone else will. So All come right. on, someone write in, then I'll know. Thank mm. you. Uh, how do we get onto this? Um, oh, Crown Court. Julie yes. from Pickering. Yes, Crown Court and all that. Yes. Mm. Anyway, now we're going to do with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. We've been celebrating the fact that we haven't heard from the evil one and his mother all week, though we know that this streak will be ending tonight. At the same time, we're also raising a glass for a farewell toast to Matthew. Matthew, we hardly knew ye. You seemed like a nice guy until you were shipped out to pasture. I mean, geographic parts unknown. We knew then you were doomed to become another of Pip's exes. We expect that her future will be with Rex and that Rex's allegiances will shift from his bro to her. 
It will be the future Mr. and Mrs. versus their respective brothers. Sounds almost biblical. Listening to both Pat and Helen this week was, at times, very painful. Pat is convinced she was a terrible mother, and Helen still believes she is guilty as charged. Well, we know that Helen's personality trait of self-flagellation doesn't fall far from the mother tree. This is one characteristic that mother-in-law and grandmother Peggy doesn't have. Her self-confidence and take-no-prisoners attitude, no pun intended, has certainly helped Helen this week and has probably contributed to her own longevity. In a related issue, Anna's approach to gathering information from Helen seems to be akin to having purchased a first-class ticket on a very slow boat to China. She really needs to firmly say to Helen that everything in her life with Rob could be relevant and important in her defense, and Anna needs to hire both a private investigator for her own practice and a therapist for Helen. I'll finish up on a more positive note. I surprised myself when I shed a tear upon hearing that Johnny was entering Helen's Borsetshire Blue in the Food Awards. Tom's apology to him was also touching. Did anyone else have the same reaction? Those moments is what the Archers does so well. Angus has just reminded me that we will be away next week, as the three of us will be relaxing in a seaside rental in Asbury Park, New Jersey, for the holiday weekend. We'll be sure to send greetings, and I'll be attending my 37th college reunion as well. Talk to you again in two weeks. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Uh, were you touched by Johnny's apology to t- no Tom's apology to Johnny? Actually, that when he said he hadn't been entering his Scotch eggs, he'd been entering Helen's Borsetshire Blue. <laughs> Stop it, Lucy! Right, I Borsetshire Black and Blue. It should be renamed, and then everyone will know who. I think because I maybe it's because I've been some. I I'm still kind of concussed by the whole stabbing malarkey. Maybe it's because this programme has got this kind of split personality and I'm finding it jarring that one minute we're in Felpisham women's prison for Category A prisoners and then the next minute we're in some mother and baby unit in Holloway. And that I've actually... One of the things that I've really taken out of the last week was the performance of of the actress that plays Helen and that I just thought that her scenes were becoming uh, tiring. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for me, it was about the performance, but I put that down to the direction. Mm. But then I actually, I've always liked Johnny. I have done. I love his Yorkshire brogue and I love the fact that he, he always sounds slightly faltering and eager to please. Yes. And he's like a puppy, isn't he? Absolutely. That you keep saying, go away, I'm busy. And he's like, no, I've got it for you. I'll bring it back yeah. again. And you're like, no, not now. There is, there is something incredibly compelling about his vocal delivery. And so actually, though I just wanted him just to, to stand up and say, Tom, this ain't your effing scotch eggs, right? I actually did find... Okay, it was a little bit soapy tropey. You had to, you know, you had to wait the whole, you know, you, yeah. you know, the stop. Tom kept on saying, "No, stop it! Don't, don't talk to me, Johnny. Don't," yeah. and whatever. But actually, 
I like the guy. I like the actor.、Yeah. I think he delivers his lines really well. You get a real sense of him just wanting to do the right thing, but not feeling that he can stand up for himself. And he has this、um, this great overly not overly sentimental, but he has this sentimental idea of who his father was and his father's、yeah. legacy. And actually,、yeah. I thought that was very sweet. To be honest with you, yeah. They were my dad's pigs, weren't they?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, I bet he's, I bet old Sharon is going ha 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 ha, having you know been snootily looked down on by Pat for years. She lets Johnny go and live with them, and now he's in the house full of bloody murderers. <laughs> well, Helen didn't actually murder、uh, Rob. No, but you but... can imagine how she's gonna when she you know the next scene that we've got with Sharon、mm. if she ever appears again, well, but she she's not gonna let that go, is she? True. How is Helen in prison, Pat? <laughs> They were really vile to Sharon. They were foul. I. But you know what? It was all a long time ago. It was. It was. Did you just say I? Have you become a Yorkshire person? Well, you know, John- no. But you know, I spent a little bit of time up in West Yorkshire. Loved it round there. Hmm. Hmm. Um. And now, New York, Nigel. <laughs> Hi, Lucy and Royfield, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's New York Nigel here. I'm sorry about last week. It was the end of a very busy church Sunday and a noisy one, and I couldn't get away to a quiet place, which isn't an uncommon thing in Manhattan. Just to say that I'm so glad that good old Peggy is being given the depth that she really deserves. She even referred to a dipsomaniac first husband, a man who hasn't been referred to practically since he died in the 1970s. Considering that a whole chunk of the family inconsistently relies on her financial and business acumen, and treats her as a doddery old tea-drinking telly watcher for the rest of the time, this is a major achievement. She might be a flag-waving Tory, but she wasn't always like that. And I still obstinately like her. She's got a bit of depth, which is. More than you can say about a multitude of characters that we've recently been introduced to. She's no Miranda or Ursula or even Linda Snell. People who are reducible to silly little plot conveniences or comedy relief, whom the editors seem to consider to be more easy to caricature because they're women rather than stolid little cookie cutter boring blokes. But maybe that's a bit unkind. Good old Johnny and his thing with the bullshits of Blue and Helen was one of the really touching moments of the week. And are we supposed to care about this Matthew, one-dimensional cowman messing around with new Pip in a sequence of cliched plot lines, whose only memorable appearance involved a bit of a queasy and sketchy Valentine's night at the bull watching brief encounter? I have to say, don't even care that Pip cares. Which is probably indicative of the fact that our attention has been firmly drawn elsewhere, on Helen's waters, to be precise. Well, for goodness' sake, I have to say that I felt a bit jerked about by the jaunty little Friday suspense ending, just as Helen was getting to the point. What an immature thing to do to a story that we've been told is painfully authentic. 
evangelically true to life, so well researched? Did this happen because she caught a uterine infection from the prison toilets? Did it happen because of poor nutrition in prison? Not enough kale? Was it Braxton Hicks? No, it was a cheap little cliched cliffhanger. You, the scriptwriters, have set the bar higher for yourselves than that. Maybe the baby was due anyway, but your timing of the waters breaking is cheesy, to say the least. I'm holding on for the ride, but this has got to get better quickly. I don't want a Dostoevsky plot superimposed on the conventions of a classy little soap opera. Give me one or the other, and don't pretend to be both at once. Not even Emile Zola or Dickens could do that. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks, Yokel Bear, for last week. I'm still laughing about the elder abuse, especially since elderflower cordial in New York City costs £15 a bottle. There's elder abuse for you. Bye for now. Yes, yay for Peggy. At least she's bloody doing something. She's not letting anybody wallow. Good for Peggy, I say. Uh, I take back all the horrible things I've said about her for this week, anyway. Well, uh, we we I, did I, kind of foreshadow this slightly, didn't we? By when, a few weeks ago, when we talked about how she would have dealt with um, her first Jack being, um, you know, an alcoholic, uh, abusive, etc., and that she would have just said, well, Helen, what we did in my day was you just, you know, had a stiff upper lip and you just got on with things, yep. you know. And and then there you go. In this crisis, she's just come up trumps. Yeah. You know, she's pulling, pulling Pat together. You know, she's there with Tony, there with the granddaughter. And I've always thought that that you women, and I'm saying I'm lumping you all together now, right, Oh, I love it when you start sentences with you women. Yes. <laughs> you women that listen to the archers. I've had it in for Peggy from day one, right? And I've always thought, well, okay, she's a woman of her time, right? So she is going to be insane. It's not that she's a woman. It's that she's such a right-wing judgmental old bat. Yeah, she's a, she's a woman of her time. And... And this is the, and this is where the script writers have actually served us really well. You know, putting the you women to one side. You know, said that for uh, just to, to to rile people. But here you have an older character who is written with levels of complexity. She's got yeah. a backstory, and yeah. she 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 isn't um, all good. She isn't all bad. She can rile you up. She can be somewhat pettily vindictive. All the little stuff with Christine and, and yeah. Kate and, and her scones being rock hard and being insensitive towards Tony. And when Tony really called her out on it, she went, you know what, son, fair play. I, 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 you yeah. know, I didn't really think, but, you know, I do still My have favorite your Peggy racing moment was when she, she, she said to uh, Kate, when she took Kate, Kate out, mm. when Kate was, was, was whinging about, you know, um, uh, leave that she was leaving the children and all this and I need to go and find myself at the college and she said you are a mother 
Yes, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and there's been lots of kind of Peggy moments, you know, where she's shown a little bit of steel. But then here you see she's the matriarch of her family. And ultimately, you know, she's there pulling everybody together. And Tony's regressed. Tony was practically sucking his thumb in that in that scene (laughs) where they went to see Helen. Flipping heck. Well, to be fair to Tony. Pat's regressed massively as well. But it was interesting what Witherspoon said about about um Pat's kind of tendency to self-flagellation is exactly the same as Helen's. And I hadn't seen that at all, but he's absolutely right. No, 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 yeah. They uh, both no, have this kind of how how have I done this? How have I brought this on myself? If I hadn't done that, that wouldn't have happened. They are they are the opposite of people that live in the moment, well, aren't they? They're just continually yeah, rewinding the, over yeah. things over and over again. Yeah. And actually, now that's been pointed out by Witherspoon, well done, sir. Um, actually, that's Tony's default position, isn't it? Tony's always been, oh, woe is me, oh, woe is me. That has actually yeah. been Tony. And Pat's been like, oh, come on, you know, type of thing. Tony, you know, no, Pat's, Tony's, Tony's just, oh, everything's, oh, everything's shit because everyone's against me. Pat and Helen are, you know, because, I, because nobody loved me, boo-hoo. Pat and Helen are both... It's my fault. I ha- I've had all the good things available to me and I've messed it up because there's mm. something wrong with me. True, true. Give I you that. There this. is a I subtle should... distinction. Yeah, well done. But that's not been Pat's position historically. It's just now. But, you know, if... No, one... it was the same with John. When John died, she did it. Oh, Tom, we do... Tony, I should have been less hard. If I'd been less hard on him about Sharon, he wouldn't have died and blah, 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 blah. And oh, the same thing. If I hadn't Tom married had a... a man that had a farm, I wouldn't have had a son that died on a farm. <laughs> no, it was because he said she said that John was distracted because um, because they'd had a row about Sharon and he wasn't concentrating when well, he drove. He's looking for Sharon's knickers because they they went missing, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. They Is did. that what distracted him? I shouldn't think so. Mm. A pair of undercrackers in a tractor. Um, <laughs> And it was also, and when Tom and the, the GM stuff, and she said, well, we've always brought him up to do that. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have done. And, and Pat and Helen absolutely that... ganged but... up on um, Haley when mm. Haley started going out with um... John. Oh, John. Oh, dear me. Mm. Yes. You know, it was, yeah, they, they, they have got form for this kind of, it's it, this ego. It's not my friend is a psychiatrist and says and says there's no one more selfish than an anxious person because everything comes back to them what could i have done differently what could i have done differently and it comes across as quite arrogant but actually it's just absolute churning um anxiety that's just sort of it's like a reverse egotism it's a bad egotism it's 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 because i am like i am all these bad things happen Mm. don't know how we got here now either what are we doing? New York. The bit, my favourite thing about New York Nigel's call mm. was that he's Borshits are blue. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should rename it Borshits are blue. <laughs> and also elderflower cordial, fifteen dollars a bottle in New York. What? That's shocking. Send me your address, New York Nigel, and I will I will send you some elderflower cordial from here. Mm. That will and and, and 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 then you can drink it to your heart's content. Should you want to, I don't even know if you want to drink it, but if you want to. I'll send you some. I like the fact that we have re- uh, listeners, say readers, listeners that end their calls by telling us the price of groceries where they yeah. are. 
And now over to Kenya, where self-raising flour is $1.95 pack. Oh, I think they have shillings over in Kenya. I think they do. Sorry, I just pulled my own headphones out. Mm. Well done. Mm. You, Thank you. You're getting rather animated. I was, waving my arms around. Yeah, that works well on a podcast. Keep that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've not got my bra on. I feel free. <laughs> I am liberated. I'm going to take my own eye out if I carry on. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it time for letters? Yeah, prob- uh, we've done them. We haven't got any. Oh, well, um, mm. show, show me age. I meant emails. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I ain't got any. All right. Um, let's come back the other side. Touch your Millie Bell and tweet of the last seven days. Thank you very much, please. Anders deutsche Volk. Seit der Reichsgründung ist es durch 1914, June, Sarajevo, the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, assassinated, killed by a Serbian nationalist. About six weeks later, world war breaks out. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Russia, France, Britain, everyone is drawn into it starting in August. And then, will America be drawn in? Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama, 10 American presidents.
the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do t-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. G'day, everyone. So, really big week on Facebook. So, quick roundup of Dumpty Dum Forum. There are a number of new threads that have started. Brexit or Stay, uh, which was started by Kiwi Listenerer. The Devil Spawn, also by Kiwi Listenerer. And uh, Listening Figures, which was started by Helen Henderson. And Silver Girl has perhaps an explanation for Josh's behaviour, whilst Miss Bubbles is wondering what is this Elfin Grotto all about? So if you're interested in any of those topics, and why wouldn't you be, you need to scoot on over. Now, we asked on the Facebook page uh, if you could tell us something about yourself, something interesting or perhaps something others might not know. Um, we had a absolute avalanche of responses, which was very exciting. So I'm going to go, get through as many as I can. Emma Edwards, her right arm has appeared in an episode of Casualty. Uh, Gilly Stimson, she's new to the Archers and loves Dumpty Dum and her friend, talks about the ushers all the time so she decided to give it a go and her interesting fact is that she has someone's rib bone in her leg. Vicky Cole, her son is graduating from the International School of Kenya next week then heading for uni in the UK uh, and she's been a backing singer for Jose Carreras and Michael Ball a long time ago but yes it does still count as an interesting fact. Carla Statton, when the discovery of the Higgs boson was announced, she was there at CERN with my physicist, with her physicist son, and I was a bit jealous because um, that's, I'd love to have been there. Terry Gardner is Australian, travelling in England and Scotland, listening listened to the Archers on the radio for the first time ever yesterday, but has been podcasting it for five years. And my friend, had, his friend, sorry, I'm getting muddled, his friend had never heard it before, was so excited and also worried that she would hate it and she just seemed puzzled. We all understand that response. Sarah Passingham says, um, in her 30s, she once sent a script to the Archers, had it returned, of course, with a personal note saying that um, she had some interesting ideas and to not be afraid to submit again. She never did, not having the sense to realise it was an invitation, not a simple rejection. What an idiot. She could have been our inside mole. Tom Ibbotson has four, yes, four fantastic kids who all represented Great Britain at Canoe Slalom and also loves the podcast, which is lovely. Mark Evidence says uh, it's going to tell us three things about himself. Uh, so as well as being yokel and a bear, bit of an expert on Victorian ghost stories. Once had a brief affair with a reasonably well-known at the time rock singer um, and actually didn't know who the rock singer was. And finally, for a while, Nick Cave was his neighbour. Pauline Midwinter um, gave Charlie Sloth an elocution lesson live on Radio 1 Extra. Uh, he had no idea I was coming in. I was introduced live on air and it was terrifying. Well done, Pauline. Vicky Berry was in EastEnders. Um, she used to live across the road from the bloke who was in charge of sorting out props. And, well, when Phil proposed to Kathy in 94, they needed an old man to walk through the square with a scruffy dog. Cue my fabulous old mongrel terrier, Toby. 
Uh, they then used her as an extra in a different scene. You could just about see the corner of her jacket. As she walked past Pete's fruit stall, her handbag knocked over a pile of boxes with an almighty crash. She walked on, hoping she'd get away with it until a cross-selling voice over a megaphone said, Reset supporting cast! And they had to rerun the whole scene again, and she wasn't invited back. Fiona Moran has chatted to two famous people but didn't know who they were at the time. Uh, Donnie Burns, who was a Latin American dancer, uh, father played the organ at her wedding. Too tenuous? No, not at all. Steve Cottrell, uh, just remembered that, having said there was nothing interesting about them, then remembered that his great uncle, great great uncle, sorry, was Charles Yo. Oh, I'm going to say this wrong, Yauhan. Uh, Chief Baker on the Titanic, the last person pulled alive out of the water onto the side of the upturned lifeboat. That is actually really interesting. Andrea Melling, when young, wanted to join the Navy, but her dreams were dashed, as A, women weren't allowed at sea, and B, it turns out she was terribly seasick. So she worked on an oil platform in the North Sea instead. Marilyn Gills always wanted to sing, but could never hit a note or hold a tune. For 15 years, she's been part of a large choir of 200-plus with no audition process. There are six parts, so usually she hits the correct note of someone else's, and she is in heaven. Leslie Greaves was on the Radio 4 march that Lucy talked about. Um, She says that they were wearing a bunch... They were a bunch of barber... Barber, wearing middle-class law-abiding citizens, and the first thing the police did was shout at us that if we didn't clear the pavements, they would be arrested. Reality check. Uh, Vivian Lloyd was an extra in the film Hot Fuzz, minding a stall selling preserves at a village fate scene where a murder takes place in a church. Passers-by who were offset thought it was a real fate and tried to buy the jars. Love that. Uh, Rachel Kennedy, uh, when she was little, wanted to own a stately home, and she didn't manage that, but she did become a housekeeper for Hampton Court Palace, and now she manages her own slightly smaller palace. Love that, too. Uh, Trish Horton Dew, she's been listening since 2007 from Londonderry, New Hampshire, the USA, and she's never known another listener, and Roy Field and Lucy are the best friends she's never met. I just loved that. Um, I'm sure Lucy and Royfield will too. Uh, Monique Veal lives in Zurich and was at a play farm with the kids on Wednesday. And Adele was there too. And she played the stadium that night. Uh, I think that's definitely worth bragging about. Uh, Jennifer Arise Hagen started listening to The Archers while on a fellowship to research human trafficking in the Philippines. That's definitely a claim to fame. Emily... Uh, who is M of Johnson on the Twitters, shared her first pregnancy with Helen and blogged about it. And she got married on the London Eye, which is very romantic. Uh, Sarah Woods Rockwell once lived in the Amazon jungle with a matriarchal tribe. I'd like to know so much more about that, Sarah Woods Rockwell, if you ever want to uh, post or blog about that. Andrew Horn has cooked dinner for Joanna Lumley. I love Joanna. I think she's such a sophisticated person, a real... Uh, just a really nice person. So, yep, very jealous there. Denise Thomason has shaken hands with Buzz Aldrin. Claire Howard, when she was little, wanted to be the person who engraved the product names on the soap. I thought that was a beautiful dream. Uh, Chris Sunderland played Dance Against Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin in Loughborough University Students' Union in the 1980s and won... Well done. Uh, Tom Williams, his cousin, is a professional football player. 
we're not sure who though. Uh, Heidi Griffiths has taken part in the 100th Nimegan marches, walking 40 kilometers every day for 40 days. I'm very impressed with that. Uh, Bridget Hirschman was told off by the Queen when she was 12 because she was in the wrong place, I think. Becky Land hiccups whilst reading the news and she assures us it was a hiccup, not a burp. Leslie Hughes is a Brummie originally from Hansworth Wood who loves 70s reggae. Uh, all ticks from us. Uh, Rachel Hannah is related to William Wordsworth. He's her great times six uncle. Victoria Clark starts a new job on Tuesday as a baby cuddler at a hospital in America, which sounds like a great job. Didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, Glenn Day After is going to be doing a lot of driving from France to Spain. Sarah Walsh says a close friend of hers knows Lucy B. Freeman. Is that too tenuous? Well, I don't think so. Bill Walker used to go to a farm with his dad when he was young, very close to where Ambridge and the storyline of the Arches was based. Dad worked there, Astwood Bank near Inkbarrow. Robin Winning is a Californian but lived for years in for a year, sorry, in Keswick in the English Lake District in a small flat at Four Park, where Beatrix Potter lived when she wrote Peter Rabbit and Squirrel Nut King. Uh, Julia M. Parker is a postie in Australia. We love posties. Uh, Dee Leary, she's such an open book apparently. When she was little, wanted to be Maria Callas, then she wanted to be a prostitute. Um, she didn't know what that involved, but she liked the shoes. I thought it was a great answer. And Philip Townley, on, the, on his first plane flight, jumped out halfway through. What an amazingly eclectic group of people with some fantastic things to skite about. And now I am going to have to go because I'm running out of time for the second time. But you are a brilliant lot and I love to say you are all my best friends that I have never met. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie. Uh, Lucy. Yeah. Uh, can you hit us with some tweets, please? I have. Dim view was engaged in a conversation with Liz Anderson and Dusty Substances uh, and a particularly um, fretful episode last week and said, my disbelief has become unsuspended. <laughs> I think we all feel like that. <sighs> and Denise Tomlinson said, apart from loving Kirsty, I really don't care what happens to the rest of them as long as I don't have to hear it. <laughs> as a listener, I think it's going to be quite difficult for you to avoid listening to it unless you stop. Um, uh, Welsh Witch 68 said Talking about self-flagellation that's yes. exactly what Dusty's doing if she's like I do not like this but I'm going to put myself through it anyway yes. she's got a touch yeah. of the pats touch of the masochists mm. yes uh, Welsh Witch 68 said don't you just love Jenny and Lillian they have bugger all to do all day but complain when a 92 year old does something productive <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true they've you know, they kept saying to to poor Peggy. Now she's poor Peggy. Now we like her. Um, saying, shouldn't you be at home, Mum? Shouldn't you be sitting at home with a cup of tea? You know, so, a to be to be fair, yeah, right? Sorry, I no, saw that says, tweet. No. I saw that tweet, and to be fair, Lillian was bigging up her mum left, right, and centre. It was a very funny tweet, but it actually was factually incorrect because Lillian was like. No, she's fine she can get out there and do x and y and z and go it was it was um jennifer that was saying well, don't you that, think mom that's should be jennifer's snobbery though as well mm. isn't it that's jennifer's just her horror at the fact that somebody in her family is and has anything to do with the prison mm. 
Well, despite I, the fact that her daughter has married someone whose uncle has been in and out of Nick more than a fiddler's elbow. <laughs> but anyway, there we are. Mm. The other thing is just 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 whilst we're here, because I did mean to say this before. Um, if we look at Brookers, right? You would have thought David and Ruth would have sat down and had a little quiet conversation, saying, "Blimey, now who 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 would have seen that coming? That Helen would have stabbed yeah. stabbed Rob." To which David would have says, "You know what? There's something not quite right with that bloke." I don't know, I don't know if this makes any kind of sense to you, Ruth, darling, but there was this funny stuff around the culvert. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> idle speculation. Yeah. And there's been zero of it. Yeah. You know, this is the biggest thing to hit that village since what? I don't know. Route A. You know, yeah. so... Yeah, and everyone's just gone... Yeah. And then carried on exactly yeah. as normal. There's yeah. been a tiny bit with um, Linda. Yeah. You know, come on, Susan. Play your role. Be a bloody gossip and just start stirring it left, right. So she did a tiny bit, Susan. Not but enough. she's always liked Rob, yeah, though. But, but she, wouldn't, wouldn't she, as soon as anyone comes into the shop, wouldn't she be asking for updates or giving people updates? Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, Helen should be due now, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I wonder how Rob's yeah. feeling about that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, back to yeah. Tweets of the Week. Sorry, because I should have done all this in, in the uh, after yeah. monologue <laughs> chat. Sorry. Um, Sporty Neil said, Helen doesn't realise that I don't remember and does it matter is unlikely to be a successful defence. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm finding so frustrating. And Tweet of the Week uh, is Ambridge Observer, who said, we should have a helpline for people who inexplicably find themselves liking Peggy. <laughs> That's true. I need to ring the helpline. <laughs> I don't like the fact that I like Peggy now, but I do. I do. And I feel bad. We you, need to get... If you have been upset by, uh, by liking Peggy in this episode, please ring the Liking Peggy helpline. Carry on. We need to what? Sorry. We need to get Ambridge Observer on. And um, actually, yes. I did send her a message on the on the Twitters. And we actually even talked about this, her and I. And then it, it was remiss of me. She sent me some message and, and I need to respond. But whilst, it, whilst I remember, folks, um, India Knight did actually say that she would come on Dum De Dum. So this isn't yes. just me hoping and wishing. And... Um, I'm waiting for her to... And we've been DMing, folks. Now, in the nicest possible way, Dum uh, Dum listeners, I wonder if you could just um, tweet uh, Miss Knight um, just very nicely and just say, oh, I hear that you're going to be on Dum Dum soon. And, and Very think, much looking forward to that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Something like that. And I think it might just uh, jog her memory that she's completely said yes and we've been DMing about this. But there's only so many DMs you can send somebody without sounding desperate. So I need another tactic. So please, um, let's get her on as well. But if everybody could just like so DM, we're going DM, for a flash mob. Yes, That's but what DM was. nicely though. We don't scare yes. her off, right? No. Okay, smashing. All right, uh, so we've done the tweets. So no, now. Bouquets of dead flowers on her doorstep. No, no, no. None. That would have not have the desired effect. But now it's time <laughs> for me to say dumdydum.com is awesome. Go on there. 
We've got a shop, we've got a forum, and uh, go and do stuff because it's most awesome. Dumpty-dum.com. Now, uh, there are a couple of ways you can help keep our little show on the road. Oh, yes, there are. There are two ways this can be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on our website or... You can go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about pound thirty. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our site, which is a little red tabby thing over on the right-hand side, or you can call us on 0203013105 sorry, 0203 to leave us a telephonic message. On social media, you can find us specifically on Twitter, where we're at Dumdy Dum. Me, I'm at Royfields, but R-O-I for India, F-I-E-L-D. Uh, Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith and Harriet at Shambridges. On Facebook, you can find us by going onto the Book of Face and then typing in Dumdy Dum, and then you'll bump into a thousand, eleven hundred and odd like lurkers talking about stuff. And that is our presence on social media. Uh, Lucy V. Freeman. Yes. You are braless. It's hot and <laughs> sticky in Walthamstow. Um, it is. Have you got any parting shots or any pithy things you'd like to say before I say goodbye to our listeners? Before I piss off. Have I got any pithy things before I piss off? Um, <laughs> no. I've had a good think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Who would be pro-Brexit in Ambridge? Well, somebody has actually said, uh, well, that question has been posed on the forum, but in a slightly different manner, where she actually said, are you pro or anti-Brexit for, for the listeners? So it's a twin, twin-pronged thing, that. And didn't we touch on this before? Because somebody said that Brian would be pro-Brexit, and then oh, yeah, Wiser yeah, yeah, yeah. said, well, wait on a minute, he would have got loads of subsidies from the yeah. EU. So actually... Yeah. Uh, economically, it'd be like a turkey voting for Christmas. Yeah. Mm. None of the farmers should be pro it. No. They shouldn't be. I you... bet Jimus is pro it. You know what, though? That, that's, a, that's an interesting one, because he's, he's, he's cosmopolitan, is Jim, and also he's big on uh, Roman history. And the EU was founded on the Treaty of Rome. So he could have some, he could look at this from a very scholarly point of view and and say, well, actually, this is a reconstitution of the Roman Empire. You never know with Jim. You would think, you would... I bet Jazza's out. Hmm. Well, Jazza wants to separate Scotland from the rest of England, never mind everything else, doesn't he? Did he actually say that? Jazza was incredibly mute on the whole... Scottish independent <laughs> thing. That's Talking, of, I don't know. He's, he's projecting his strength on that on that issue. Like Kathy, <laughs> exactly. You know, Hulk strength. I think Joe Grundy is going to be an, an outer because it's just n- not the way of things. Mm. I think Susan definitely is Brexit. Um, hmm. Emma would go. Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> 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 That's Probably. spot on. What do you think, Ed? Uh, I've only Ed got... Ed doesn't care because he's too busy carving elf houses. Yeah. I've got three. Joe and... Um, Joe, Susan, and... God, who's the last one I just said? Joe. 
Joe, Susan and Joe. <laughs> Joe, Susan and... Wait a minute. Joe, Susan and... Who's the other one I just said? Don't know what listening. <laughs> oh, God. Let's, let's go then. I can't even think straight. <laughs> Susan, Joe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, my head's gone, Lucy. I think I, I, I think I'd best have, have a cup of camp coffee and then start editing this. <laughs> so we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.